Hey, Tony. I like video games. Well, hello there, Jake. I like video games, too. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And this is a holiday episode of Hey, I Like That Game. <laughs> I don't really know if it's a holiday episode. Oh. We're past Christmas, even when recording this. So <laughs> I think I'm just still in the holiday spirit. Still still home visiting with the family. Uh, I had a, had a very, very pleasant holiday season, too. Uh, how, how about you, Tony? How was your, how was your holiday? It was a holly jolly video game Christmas. That's really what it was. Uh, I got a $50 Steam gift card, and I bought some nice. stuff with it. Uh, I finally bought Dead Cells. I have not, like, I have played a bunch of Dead Cells uh, over the years, but I never owned it. So I bought it with all the DLC just in time for that Castlevania uh, DLC that's coming out here uh, sometime next year. Super excited for that. Um, Yeah. Holidays. Yeah, that game's doing, like, a bit of crossover stuff, right? Like, I. I knew about the Castlevania one. I feel like I've like heard of it doing another sort of like crossover. They've crossed over with a bunch of other indies like uh, right now uh, in the couple runs that I've played. Uh, like I keep getting the needle from Hollow Knight as a weapon, which is oh, like fan- cool. which is fantastic. But like I've also gotten like the Hyperlight Drifter gun and uh, sword. I like there's there's tons of tons of stuff in there. Um, it's it's a really cool God, Dead Cells is so good. I didn't even add that. That, that wasn't even in my notes. Just Dead Cells turns out real good, good video game. Uh, Wild. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but Jake, I've been playing a bunch of other stuff. It's been a while since we've done an episode. Uh, we've yeah, we, yeah. We both were like incredibly busy at the end of the year, uh, and we had the twenty four hour charity stream. Thanks for everyone who showed up. And thank uh, you. Yes, big charity stream this year. Yes, huge charity stream. We donated quite a bit of money too. I'm trying to get the official total right now. Three thousand four hundred and thirty. Yeah, three thousand four hundred and thirty dollars. So thanks everybody uh, to folks that donated. The folks over at NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, really appreciate all your donations. Uh, And we are. Like less than four hundred dollars away from ten grand raised all time. Wild. So incredibly exciting stuff. Incredibly exciting stuff. But yes, thank you all who tuned in, donated, just hung out with us. Super yeah. Um, super great. Great time, great charity. Um but yeah, it's been a while since we've recorded, so I've got a bunch of games to talk about. Yeah, I bet you've played like 30 games because you play more games than me anyway yes. i play a lot of games i like to uh to to test a lot of things and, and and um see these different experiences but i got four different games i want to chat about here one of which i know yeah, we're hit me with them we have some overlap in but the first one yes. is, well, I, I think yep i know which one you're talking about <laughs> uh so the first i want to mention uh is tactics ogre reborn so this draft mm. about a month maybe two months ago now um tactics ogre is a turn-based um grid style tactics rpg that came out you know this is like an old school series this is like predates final fantasy tactics in a lot of ways uh the director uh of this game uh yatsumi matsumo uh is he's also the creator of final Fa- the og final fantasy tactics so there's a lot of experimentation between tactics ogre and what became final fantasy tactics um but this is really my oh, first real okay. experience with the series i played a little bit of tactics ogre or uh battle ogre 64 back in the day but i really didn't like it when i was younger and it's really kind of a a completely different type of experience um 
you know, the the 64 game was was kind of a, a strange tactics ogre. This is one that's uh, a little bit more representative of the series as a whole. Feels very similar to the original Final Fantasy Tactics. This came out slightly before that, so it does feel, in comparison to that OG Final Fantasy Tactics, this feels like slightly dated compared to that. Um, it, but like has a lot of the similar stuff. Grid-based tactics. There's a job system. There are ways to capture and raise monsters. You know, a lot of that same DNA is there. But it also does some yeah. some interesting stuff where it caps unit levels. So uh, the oh. game uh, it, it makes every encounter like a suitable challenge, uh, making it feel mm-hmm. more like a puzzle than it is anything else. Because like in in the Final Fantasy Tactics games, a lot of times you can, once you get to the point where you can go to like kind of free battle areas, you're kind of encouraged to experiment with the battle system, level your characters up, mess around with the job system and all that kind of stuff. Whereas in this game, you have all the experimentation as well. You can kind of do battles at any times, um, but you are capped to a particular level um, based on like where you're at in the story. So it just, it, it makes for a really consistent difficulty curve. So you never feel like you can grind your way out of a difficult situation. You really need to um, think tactically and like engage mm-hmm. in the game systems to, to, to win your fights, which, which I really like. Um, yeah. I always appreciate that kind of leveling system too, because it tells you this is doable. Mm-hmm. Like we know you're going to be this level. We know you can do it. Like, yes. so yes, get to it. Yeah. I think, uh, one of the games that we're going to talk about had me really missing curated, more linear RPG experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And it like, I think there's downfalls to, to that type of system as well. Cause it, it mm-hmm. makes, you know, doing a sort of free combat, a little less fun. Um, the battles are actually, really kind of slow like combat like pacing wise combat slower than um a lot of other grid-based tactics games um feels slower than the original final fantasy tactics in a lot of ways too um that doesn't bother me a ton but i know that's not uh not everyone's cup of tea like a, a slower moving uh combat and like to that point since extra battles are there's like less of a reason to do them. Um, the fact that combat is slower and one like quote unquote level is going to take much longer than um, maybe you're used to. It makes it even less likely for me to engage in side content, you know, because it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. this is going to take forever and I'm not getting a lot out of it. I don't know. Um, but I yeah. will say that the last couple of things I want to say on that game is um, best in class map rotation and like field of view it gives you both like a 3d perspective because like topography has a lot to do with um how combat works in the game like you can't shoot an arrow uphill and expect to hit your target right like it's there's Mm -hmm. like stuff like that they have to deal with so like the the rotation of the 3d space is really good but it also allows you to switch to a top-down perspective so you can really measure um, a lot more effectively, like how far away certain things are, or like if somebody's like around a corner, or you know, it's this is the way a grid-based tactics game that works that that like has this style of um, like camera control. Like this, this is the way to do it. It feels like you know, like best in class, absolutely, um, 
absolutely love that. And then the story feels very similar to like a, the OG Final Fantasy Tactics, highly political and emotional. I, I do really dig it so far. Um, yeah, it's it's a good it's a good little package. Tactics or Ogre Reborn. Check it out if you're into tactics games. Um, I need to get back to that game uh, and put some more time into it. But I really enjoyed uh, what I did play of it so far. Um, the next on my list is a little game called Project or uh, Crystal Project, I should say. Excuse me, Crystal Project. Mm-hmm. This is a open world JRPG, which sounds very uh, weird. Those things like seem like diametrically opposed in a lot of ways, but it's like. <laughs> So the way the game works is that like you're you're dropped into this like big open world map where you do have like some, you know, NPCs to talk to. But there isn't like this giant quest log with a bunch of icons on your map or anything like that. It really is like here's a big uh, 3D space that you need to move through and explore and fight stuff and like, you know, find treasures and, and, and get lost in in the exploration um, there is a lot of that. There's some like um, platforming that goes into it. You'll get you'll unlock like vehicles and other like modes of travel that will like make getting around the map easier or even possible. Um, it's it's really neat. I don't know if I like I love it and I probably won't finish this game, but I've been having a lot of fun with it. Uh, battles are turn based mm, yeah. uh, and you have a timeline that you can um, affect doing certain moves like you can slow somebody down which pushes them farther back on that timeline uh, it is also a job based system so you have a job that you assign your your four party members to uh, that you can kind of change uh, on the fly outside of battle each one of those job systems has a big um uh tree uh, upgrade tree to move through and then yeah similarly to every other job system you'll learn stuff on that tree and you'll be able to um, bring those skills over to another job. So it's kind of like you know the Final Fantasy Tactics thing, where right. your main job that's will, where you get the most powerful, the synergy. Yes, exactly. So like your main job will have you know, all the abilities that you have unlocked unlocked for you there, and then you'll be able to unlock another, or you'll be able to like equip another class's skills onto your character. So you know that's where all that synergy comes from, right? That's where all the fun. Uh, of com- combining jobs comes together, so they and, and that's yeah. and that feels really robust. They the way they gate classes are there are large crystals throughout the game world that are associated with like bosses, basically. So you find a crystal, you do a big boss fight. When you defeat that boss, you get the crystal, which is a job. Um, so you'll have mm-hmm. so like it. And I think there's like 25, 30 jobs. So there's a lot in the mm-hmm. game. Um, to explore with there, um, which is which is really cool. Like I, I will say, it does feel aimless at times because it doesn't have this big quest log and it doesn't have a bunch of uh, markers all over map points of interest to, to to lead you to. So at times yeah. you're just like, where the hell am I supposed to go? And the game does kind of gate you in that like you need to find the first three crystals uh, in like the opening land mass to kind of uh, to enter a challenge to unlock like kind of the rest of the world. And it, it feels okay. like it kind of is sort of slowly opening itself up to you. Um, sort of like breath of the wilds opening. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Similar, similar to, to that, but it feels like at times, like I just want to know where I need to go to, to open up more of the map or 
I, I, ju- I just need more direction and that's uh, op- yeah, open world yeah. games it, it's it's a tough balance because it you know you could go the moral wind route where you give like no uh map icons whatsoever but it makes it like really hard for the player to kind of keep everything in check but it's like a richer experience because it's all coming from you or you go the skyrim uh a route where it's like it's all quest logs you're all working off markers and it feels like it's a giant checklist you know so it's yeah. it's open open world games are really hard uh to balance in that regard but i think this one is um very neat it's a very neat game um i didn't think this would work as well as it does but it, it's mm, even yeah. even with the things that I don't like about it. I think this is a game that's cool enough for people to check out, regardless. Uh, it call it is called uh, Crystal Project. Um, Crystal Project. Yeah, like tell me, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued by this. Uh, tell me, so is it's is, is it procedure? It's a curated world. It's not procedurally generated. Not procedurally right? generated. Nope. Yeah, so it's, and like lack of like quest logs or anything like that. It's really just sort of you're looking around for points of interest, literally in your line of sight. Kind of like it. Um, you're kind. Of, you're given an overall quest to find all these crystals or whatever, and there are like certain named NPCs that like you follow throughout the world that will like take you to to points of interest and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But it really is like a big 3d map that's made up of like little blocks and things like that. Your character is a little Sprite. Like the, the graphics are like Sprite based. Um, Oh, okay. And you're just like jumping around. Like there's like little platforming challenges and stuff to, to get around places. Um, but that's really it. Um, and yeah, you're kind of just exploring the map, trying to figure out where you can go, where you can explore to get to the next thing, to find the secret cavern that may open up into this big thing that has a crystal in it. You know, like it's a it's a lot of just exploring for the sake of exploring, um, at least from my uh, perspective. But it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a fun little game. It's yeah, a, yeah. It uh, the thing that I've been told is that this is like a great Steam Deck game because it's something perfect to play oh, like on the go yeah. in like short little bursts, um, or like you could put in like a long uh, session with it, like traveling. But um, but yeah, cool game. I'll just keep saying that Crystal Project. It's cool game. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna cut you off. I'm so intrigued about the Steam Deck that because I'm. My Switch is, like, it's not, like, a piece of crap, but I had it since launch. It's, like, the the Joy-Cons are a little crummy, and, like, it plays best when I have it docked, and I can use my Pro Controller. So, like, I think it would be neat to get a Steam Deck, like, kind of as, like, my maybe, like, my 2023 console. But then, like, I don't know. I've I've been on the fence about PS5 for a little bit and just, like, kind of looking at the slate for next year. It seems like those games are going to become more and more exclusive, exclusive for PS5. Yeah. So, oh man, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm so, the Steam Deck looks so cool. And like, I play probably at least like 75% of my games on computer anyway. Yeah. So being able to like have another extension of that library would be awesome. Yeah. I, I'm in this weird spot where it's like, <clears throat> if I, if I got a Steam Deck, I, I think I would love it. But also, what's the point of my Switch then? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, like then it would truly just be a smash machine. Um, and, and I wouldn't use it for, uh, you know, any of its mobile purposes at that point. So like, I, I just, and like, I, I had a friend who had a steam deck, um, and he brought it to a friend's giving we did this past week. I like first time I actually sat and played a little bit with it. And it's like, 
It's got a good form factor. It feels good, but it's like, do I want to spend $600 on a device that I may not get all of my money's worth out of, you know? And like with a switch, a new switch version coming, who knows when, right? But you got to imagine within a year or two, I would rather put my money into that, you know, um, but we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. I, I may change my tune on this whole thing, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I feel like me and you are kind of in the exact same spot when it comes to a Steam Deck. Like we, yeah, we want it, but it's hard to justify. Like, yeah, yeah. I think we're both like a little tepid on on buying new devices at this point. Like it really needs to, I feel like, push push more than I think like the jump from like ps4 xbox one to the next generation did like you know the solid state drives fast as hell loading and like the graphics are for sure improved but like that jump up in quality it seems like it's diminishing it's definitely diminishing in my mind at least yeah from generation to generation so like the switch yeah it's like a whole new thing and nintendo's not going to put their games on pc at any point so absolutely yeah and yeah they're like this like um the quest vr that i have was like sort of like the same thing i was able to just because it was like a cheaper a cheaper price like there was was easier for me to justify that purchase and it gives me experiences that i can't get elsewhere but like yeah i don't i don't think i'm gonna get experience i can't get elsewhere on the playstation 5 or the xbox x um maybe on the deck maybe on the steam deck steam deck seems like the most like likely place where i'd be able to get that so yeah i don't know it's a it's a weird it's a weird spot in gaming but yeah eh. yeah it's a cool device though uh, okay. Yeah. Not uh, a bad problem to have. Indeed. Anyways, Crystal Project. Go check it out. Uh, mm. Next thing I want to talk about. Uh, j- kind of just a short shout out here. Uh, the game I want to talk about is called Superior. Uh, so I just want to like grain of salt right from the get-go. I know the developer of this game. I received a free copy of it. And I played it with them on their launch day into early access. Uh, so just want to nice. put that out there is that, you know, not not wholly unbiased here. But Superior, it's a neat little game. It's a third-person roguelite, which right up my alley uh, in a lot of ways. It's nice and challenging. Um, it's kind of like a um, it's a one-to-three-player, like, kind of superpower fantasy uh type game where you have one of three different playable characters that are different classes they have their own skill Mm -hmm. trees that you can um upgrade through and and, um and progress uh but levels are basically like kind of get to the point of interest do a thing and then get out of the level um Mm -hmm. you are being like basically overrun by like zombie like creatures that have all sorts of different skills and abilities um and you have several powers as well that you get um, additional ones after every successful level that you complete, like most roguelites. Uh, so there's a kind of a good progression there. But like each of the powers um, don't have a cooldown associated with them, really, other oh, than like their ultimate. Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. uh, action is like fast and furious. It gives you a lot of good tools for like movement through the level and since there isn't mm-hmm. cooldowns you can kind of like spam abilities and stuff uh which feels really 
good. Um, yeah, I'm very curious to see how this game develops over time. Like right now, the 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 content cadence has been like pretty good. Um, I need to to get back in and, and test one of the new power sets that they dropped, and I think a new boss has been dropped too. But it's definitely a cool game. I really like the work that the uh, the folks uh, over there are putting in um, on it. But yeah, Superior is the name of the game. Uh, good luck to you folks in early access. Hopefully, uh, it goes well for you folks. Um, yeah, yeah, same. Uh, th- thank you for the the key for myself as well. I I do want to play it very badly on my on my to do list, but uh, yeah, that recommendation is huge, and I want to. I'll check out some of that new content with you. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll play some uh, in the new year probably. Uh, that should be should be good. Um, cool. So that last one was superior on Steam right now early access uh last game i want to bring up is the one that i think we are going to talk about together here which is yes. pokemon scarlet and violet violet <laughs> violet for me scarlet for you yes yes um so i have played this game Ooh. to completion um i played through it pretty quick. as have i played through it pretty quickly myself um but um, let's let's just get into it, man. What do you, what do you <laughs> yeah. like? Uh, so, my, my very first line in my notes for Pokemon is, hmm. Yeah, I know. Like, I, I, my notes here, like for all the games I've talked about so far, I, I have like good, pretty good, pretty good, and then Pokemon Scarlet is like pretty mixed, pretty mixed, pretty, yeah, pretty mixed. pretty mixed. Uh, so yeah, at this point, most people have probably seen, heard, played. A lot about uh, this most recent release of Pokemon. Um, Tony and I contemplated doing a separate episode on it, like we did for Sword and Shield, mm-hmm. um, but we ultimately landed on it would likely be too much negativity to put into one episode that stands on its own. Not that it's a hundred percent negative. I no. do have areas of this game that I do enjoy. I think the Pokemon formula is just so strong, and the Pokemon creature design is so strong absolutely that that's enough to carry carry me through a game we both play this game to completion despite the fact that it is riddled with bugs yeah technically absolute garbage hold on before we uh, before we get into that stuff like let's let's stick yeah stop yeah stop me before we get too deep yeah (laughs) let's stick to the positives up like pull me up pull me up tony I totally agree with you that the new mons are are great. There's a lot of awesome new mons, not just like nice new designs. Some better than others. Like I, I think some of them are uh, a little rote, but like the majority of the new mons, well designed, great new typings, mm-hmm. great new abilities, some fun stuff there. Love that. Really cool new signature moves. I like that they gave a lot of Pokemon very meaningful signature moves. Yes, it, it'll it should shake things up in the in like the competitive meta, and it made for like interesting team theory crafting as you're playing which is like that's a hallmark of pokemon so like that that's great quality of life features like having the box uh available to you all the time freaking great Mm -hmm. there's a really decent challenge in kind of the back half of that game um kind of depending on how you play the game there'll be more or less challenge but it felt um it felt like the, the the second half of the game felt uh harder than most which i appreciated quite a bit um new mechanic isn't bad for once what is it the the tetralizing or terrestrializing yeah it's great i do i really like terrestrializing that's a cool cool mechanic that really 
it makes it it's a good like it's not as i think i don't know how do i phrase this i personally i love mega evolutions more for the aesthetic than for the implementation of the mechanic Mm -hmm. z moves were all were pretty solid and i like that it was balanced in that it's a one one and done usage um i can't i hate dynamaxing i think dynamaxing is broken and terrible Uh, but terrestrializing like it's neat you change your type and it you doubles your stab bonus or stab so you get you know times two instead of times 1.5 on moves of that type and you know within the game it's not it's like cool it's not you don't need to like lean on it as much but within like the competitive battling at least that i've watched and like barely participated in myself it's a super neat and impactful mechanic that doesn't seem so like absolutely game altering as like a dynamax does in that like you basically get like one turn of surprise and you need to capitalize on it or else you've kind of like lost your advantage yep or, like, it's evened out the advantage there. And, so, like, yeah, there's some really cool stuff there. And, and the fact that, unlike Dynamaxing and Mega Evolutions, and Z-Moves to, the, to a certain extent, where mm-hmm. you see a team comp, it's like, okay, there's the Dynamax, there's the Z-Move I have to worry about. You know, like, it, those... There's sy- the Pokemon that can Mega Evolve. Yes, those systems very specifically pointed out here are the troublemakers. Like here, here are the mons that I really have to work out, look out for. And these other ones are maybe just set up or something else. But like, here's the core of the team. You don't get that with this system. Every single Pokemon can do the Tetra. So it's like you can have different strategies and Terra. setups. Terra, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why I want to call it Tetra. Anyway, it's Terra. That sounds cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, but it's like every Pokemon could have their own strategy on why they would use that particular mechanic, right? You could mm-hmm. use it offensively. You could use it defensively to cover a um, a times four weakness of, of a Mon of yours. Like it's, it's a very dynamic system that's easy to comprehend. A lot of depth of mastery there too. I feel like that is the one of the biggest successes of this game. I would I would say it's yeah I have not liked additional mechanics like I really felt like Pokemon was like at its best like Gen four Gen five before it exploded into like adding new mechanics every generation that just like go away to 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 make it interesting yes. and it's like you know Gen four Gen five felt like it's like here's the core Pokemon experience that's like really really good and I feel like this new mechanic is like the most welcome new mechanic since like the, the foundations of like modern Pokemon were born in gen four and gen five from my perspective. Like, yes, I would yeah. be totally fine with this particular mechanic being pulled over to each individual Pokemon game, whether they change the name of it, change the aesthetic of it, like whatever. But like, I like this, the way that this affects both like the PVE and the PVP of Pokemon love that part Mm -hmm. of it i also really liked like the very path that you could take throughout the game like we we can talk about the negatives of that after but like i I think it's like a good idea and like the amount of story they have attached to these different paths that you could take i i I love that this is probably the best story a pokemon game has had in over a decade (laughs) i feel like Um, (laughs) and also you can replay gym battles you have to beat the entire game to to do that but like 
once you finish the game, the game like opens itself up to you again. So you can like mm-hmm. do the thing where I want to restart my game, but I don't want to erase my my profile. I'm going right. to get a level one whatever Pokemon and start in this area and then go through all the gyms again without having to erase your game. You know, like that has been something that I've wanted in a Pokemon game forever and ever. And I I don't recall if this is the very first Pokemon game to do it, but it is the first Pokemon game to enable you to replay the game, quote unquote, without erasing everything you know like well erasing all your hard work you know that's always been like the tricky thing of post-game pokemon content where it's like okay you're at the end game and then a lot of a lot of the pokemon games will do then like a battle tower situation where it's okay cool these are leveled to 50 you're kind of doing more intense battles like that or uh like in gen 2 where they open up kanto after you beat the johto region but like everything's higher leveled there like yeah i can't recall one that lets you kind of go back to and what if I just sort of caught a new Pokemon? And they sort of allude to that into the story. Like, your um, your rival mm-hmm. in this game, she's an upperclassman and, like, did the challenge the year before. And it's kind of just, like, restarting again for this year of school. So, like, it makes—I like that, that dynamic there because it makes sense that she's, like, better than you even though you beat her every time you battle. I think it's, like, the best way they've been able to, like, mesh your rival— always getting their ass kicked with like still being like i don't know like a legitimate like battling presence yeah where it's like okay yeah like i cut i get that i beat them but like because they did this last year and they're starting over but like also i can never lose because i'm the best pokemon trainer in the goddamn world here here's my uh counterpoint to that that can kind of lead us into our cons in general is that Ooh, yeah love that as an idea but they didn't they didn't take it all the way there why wasn't the last fight against your rival with her true team? You know, with the team that mm-hmm. she beat the champion. Like, she she beat everything with last year. You know, like, I wish there was this um, kind of, like, taking off the mask moment. Say, like, or, or maybe maybe the better analogy is, like, um, taking off the weighted clothing. You know? Yeah, that's like, what I was going to say. <laughs> you know, like, I, I wish there was that last fight against her, which was a very fun fight. I actually thought that was, like, another really good fight. I chose to do it in the middle of the city. So they had, like, everybody yeah. like everybody in the city around watching. Like, I thought that was super fun. Like, great, great final battle to kind of cap things off with. I thought for sure they were going to say, and here's my real team, and have it be, like, a really hard challenge or, like, have something, like, she's hidden away somewhere on the map. Like, come meet me on my mountain or something like that. And we'll have our true mm-hmm. faded battle. You like know, the like new so- red. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I thought they were like moving to that. It's like, it's like there was that attention to detail to set the story up better, but then we lost the detail that would have made it truly epic from my perspective, mm-hmm. you know? And that that's, I feel that's a lot of this game is that there are so many little things like we've we've talked a lot of positives about this game but like ultimately in my mind this is like a middle of the road pokemon game because for everything that i think is like smart and really well designed about this new game there's so many other things that are just like bewildering i mean like you had already mentioned it earlier the technical performance is embarrassing it's embarrassing yeah yeah it's an embarrassment it's an embarrassment like it should like 
I know these things can get um, improved on over time, but like, man, it, it, that the game does not look good and it doesn't run well at all. No. And I think one of the things that you were talking about that like is emblematic of just how rushed or like little attention to detail is played in certain situations is there are a lot of scripted camera shots where stuff just looks bad. Like in like the very opening or like in the tutorial, like you're in the class for the first time and it shows the classroom (laughs) and half the kids are like kicking, but it's only like three frames of motion or something like that. And it just looks really stilted and terrible. And it's just like, why would you, why would you do that on a, on a scripted shot? Or like there are trainers where after you beat them, they like strike a pose and their hands on their hip and their hand is clipping through their hip. And it's just like, you had a hundred percent control over this shot. Like I understand like there's overworld stuff where it kind of needs to like go from your third person camera perspective to like, boom, now we're in a battle and like some wonky stuff happens there. That seems a bit more forgivable, but in, yeah, it's just like, and like the scripted shots are looking go crummy. This game almost never runs at full frames, which I normally don't mind too much, but it runs at like, 10 frames at times it gets truly unbearable at points like when you fight the um the last uh titan pokemon on the big lake like that entire lake area looks terrible chugs chugs so slow and it's like i would understand if this game chugged really slow but the graphics were like incredible but the graphics don't look good either they all look like Really, it's yeah. just like they're they're stretching a texture onto things constantly, yeah. and it just it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good, and I understand this is you know their second attempt at an open world type thing, but like I, I love the direction in which they are going. Eh, love is maybe too strong of a word, but like I, I like where they're going with this series, and like I agree, like something needs to be shook up, and this is like a good kind of shakeup. But man. If you're, if the technical if the technical performance can't keep up with it, then something needs to change. Like I, I just, it's not like they didn't have the time. It's not like they didn't. Um, th- this couldn't have been a surprise, you know. Um, but on top mm-hmm. of that, yeah. like this game also has like features that are not fully fleshed out, like. That whole sandwich mechanic, like, I don't fucking get Like, I don't understand. I don't know what it's for. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with it. All the picnic stuff, whatever. That's the been team the team star battles. Team star battles were very, it's a very strange thing. Like, I, I don't mind that storyline, but like, that, like, run, the, yeah, run the through this, those encounters. Run through this area. Press, just jam on this button so your Pokemon come out and, and fight, kind of. Like, it just, it didn't make, it was like, it felt like busy work. Um, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the added heal function to the main menu, it's like, here, press this button, it heals up all your Pokemon, except it doesn't clear status effects, it doesn't revive. And it doesn't revive. revive. And it's like, so dumb. Why do you have that button there, then? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's... It, it, I appreciate the idea, but why? Like, why doesn't it have all the functionality? And, like, sure, there are some Pokemon that get stronger when they have a status effects on them. Like guts is a thing, right? But it's like, mm-hmm. that's such a small use case. Like, I'm trying to think of reasons why they implemented it the way they did. And I'm just really struggling to figure it out. Um, and it's like, that's something that's like 
that's a detail, right? I also noticed that like some Pokemon will close their eyes when they're asleep, but a lot of them don't. I don't know if that's like a glitch that I was noticing <laughs> while I was playing or something, but like I, I would notice some Pokemon will close their eyes when they're asleep. Others don't. Very small, inconsequential detail, right? Except when you mm-hmm. like look at every Pokemon game for the last several generations, like that hasn't been an issue. So why is that an issue now? You know, like stuff like that. And then like, this is probably just a personal pet peeve that came to the fore in this game. And it seems to be like an issue for me with every new Pokemon game, but it was really apparent in this one that you defeat a Pokemon in a Pokemon trainer battle, right? They say, Mm -hmm. do you want to switch out, right? Here's the name of the the Pokemon you're going to fight against. Do you want to switch out? I, I don't know what that is like helping me with you know like unless i have a pokedex pulled up on the other side of the screen like i don't know the name of every new pokemon right um so it's like you you either have to just be okay with well i could just get switched into and get destroyed right now uh or they could just show a little picture of the pokemon there and and like let me guess at it like from that from like those context clues i don't know like i said a personal pet peeve old old man tony yells at cloud i know there's too I, many pokemon there are too many pokemon i don't know what any of them do or what type they are and like <laughs> okay now we're gonna add paradox pokemon oh cool here's a magneton that doesn't look like a magneton and has a totally That's different got type. legs I, like I, paradox I, pokemon i are, like regional variants but i hate the paradox pokemon see that, this is this is the this is the fight that you and i will I will never yeah. understand. Oh, yeah. I will never understand your side here because uh, I think regional Toad's Pokemon cool might be my best friend. <laughs> um, regional Pokemon and Paradox Pokemon are dumb. Just make them into new Pokemon, new designs. We don't need to have a referential Pokemon here. It's just, oh, I hate it. I hate it. Just it's it's a new Pokemon with a new typing. It should just be a new thing. I, I don't like cribbing from old styles that will continue to confuse me. Like. New regional form of Diglett is a water type. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. What are we talking about? Diglett is a ground type. Why? Why isn't that just called something else? It barely even looks like a Diglett. Why? It's called Wiglet, Tony. Come on. But, but you see what I'm saying, right? And Wug Trio. <laughs> why are we cribbing from other Pokemon if it doesn't really matter? Like, what is it about Diglett that is being retained in that Pokemon other than its dumb fucking face? And it's, like, in, like, some <laughs> rules around how it evolves, I guess, where it has to have, like, trip. You know, it's... I, I get into this thing, and we talk about this a bit uh, when we're, do, like, coming up with the rules for the Nuzlocke League and stuff. Like, I get really hung mm-hmm. up on what is a Pokemon? Like, in essence, what is that Pokemon? If we randomize moves, that is kind of taking away some aspects of a pokemon like their special ability or their special moves that they could learn there are only like specific to that pokemon or whatever but like the stat block the typing and the abilities you know that like those are the things that i think make a pokemon and as soon as you start changing those core like three elements then what the fuck is it that's a different pokemon like why why are we even cribbing visual stylings across like i i just I think it adds more visual flavor to the different regions. Like, this... I don't know if in this generation, specifically, they had, like, more of a... Like, aesthetic feel to it, but, like, uh, that was one thing that 
Pokemon Arce- Legends Arceus did pretty well was those regional variants feel like they, they really inform that world and they make it feel distinct from other areas that you go to in Pokemon games. That's one thing I like about it and the kind of the familiarity with the, the remix on it. I, I, like, I like that. I vibe with that. But I, I get where you're coming from. Like all your points make sense and are valid. One thing, last thing, and then I'll move off of this particular point. But if that was mm-hmm. the case, Jake, if it's like trying to give you a sense of a new location that it's like it feels like it's familiar because here's a here's a Diglett that just looks different, like whatever. Why include the original variants in there as well? Because then it's like, well, what the, what are we talking about? What are we like? It's, it's what region yeah. is this then? You know, like like that's the thing. It's like, but. Before any of the comments come in and say, well, there's different types of squirrels in different, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, I, I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that yeah, good type point, of viewer. I actually <laughs> hadn't thought about that. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, I don't want to hear like, well, there's black squirrels and there's gray squirrels and there's brown squirrels. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't, definitely don't want to hear that. Um, I, 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 I do agree with that point, And that's why I think uh, Sun and Moon where that was introduced, did it the best because they had their exclusively regional variants in those yep. games. That, that makes sense. And that was, yeah, that was where they really felt the most distinct. God, I think Sun and Moon might might be my favorite Pokemon generation. What? Oh my God. We, we can't, we can't dwell on that. We can't, like, no, we can't, we can't get into We've this. got we can't a lot this. of other things to talk about, but that is an insane thing to say. I'm just going to say maybe uh, listen all, all I got to say is so this is my my you were talking a lot about how like the end game can get uh challenging kind of fun I encountered something similar so there's this game yeah kind of it's almost like Breath of the Wild or what, what that other game you're talking about Chaos Center or whatever um open world JRPG but it's, so yeah you do like your tutorial area and then sort of just like all right go out and figure out what's going on and, you know, do your gym battles, do your Team Star battles, do your Titan battles, explore the world. Things are gated off mostly by elevation, so you can't get to certain areas. Um, and it doesn't really give you a hard order of how to do things, but there is a hard order of how to do things, like, to fit with the level curve. So when you leave the game, you're basically like, oh, one person's like, well, you should go to the east. And one person's like, well, you should go to the west. So I choose East, I do that, I do a couple gym battles, I do Titan battle, et cetera, et cetera. Then I'm like, all right, time to go West. And it's like, they're level, like single digit level Pokemon again. And it's like, well, there's no balance curve to this because what I needed to be doing was alternating back and forth to like stay within my level curve, which I thought was kind of dumb. So then once you find out sort of why uh, Arwen is trying to get all the sandwich ingredients. Um, I rushed to finish that quest as early as possible. So I got to that last Titan Pokemon about 15, 20 levels under leveled. So that area and that fight, so fun. Yes. Because it was really like you had, I had to like build the team. I had to like specifically get Pokemon out of my box for that fight, train them up a little bit in the field. Like, and you get big experience because all the Pokemon are like, 15 levels higher than me and i like that was the most fun i had with the game but then once i was done with that i then had to do the rest of the gym battles and the rest of the team star battles and now i was stupid over leveled for them yep yep 
that that'll happen. Like I, I wanted to bring up a similar thing of that, like the Titan battles were the, were the spot where like the challenge felt like the best. Cause I had a similar thing, not in the last Titan, but the second to last one, the, the Dauphin um, mm-hmm. one, I was like 20 levels outclassed and I relied on my starter uh, and the special move that, that always crits uh, uh, grass and like mm-hmm. that saved my ass. You know, like I had to do some like real I, I used all six of my Pokemon had to switch out at the right time. Like it was a really strategic, fun fight. And I feel mm-hmm. like this game offered more of those type of fights than I'm usually accustomed to in Pokemon. But I fully understand that some of that is created by my own path through the game, like you were saying. And like, yeah, to kind of circle back to your point, I, I started the game going west and I just stayed going west. And one of my biggest frustrations in the game is that there is no there's no scaling one. So it's not like like you said, the game tells you to go like, oh, go in any direction. You can start west, east, wherever. But really, you can't go anywhere. You can't just go north because you'll get murdered instantly. So it's like, ah, it says mm-hmm. you can go anywhere, but it's really you can't just go anywhere because it doesn't have that scaling. But it also doesn't have any level indicator or danger or risk indication on Pokemon, on areas. So I like I am starting to understand what I like about open world games is that exploration. And I had a really fun time exploring the world that they created, looking for hidden items, looking for more Pokemon, looking for whatever, but not knowing what I'm going to be running into in terms of like level wise scared the shit out of me. There were so many times where it's like, I'm just following my natural curiosity of exploration in the world. And I run in to the same dearly that I have seen everywhere else in the world, but now it's 15 levels higher than what mm-hmm. I was expecting. And it's like in a Nuzlocke situation, this would be a nightmare, be an absolute nightmare. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do not like that about this game. There, there are little attention to detail, simple things they could do to make the game better in general. And like to get back to like scaling for a second, you know, Breath of the Wild can get away with a world set up the way like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet does because you're not as conf- like constrained by your own personal level of power because there are physics puzzles, things you can do. You can find weapons that make you stronger in the moment. You know, like if you str- if you stumble into an area that you're not prepared for in breath of the wild, you can still live, right? You can, yeah, you can, it's f- about your gameplay there. Yeah. Like it, it, you can figure out ways to win, to live in Pokemon. Yes. You can win a fight, that you're 15, even 20 levels under levels for, but you really need to prep for that one specific fight. Mm -hmm. That's not like traversing through a region, a full region trying to find things and fight wild Pokemon and all that. It's very different. You cannot survive that easily. Um, So the fact that they, they don't tell you, they don't give you any visual indication of the danger of certain situations. It's, it's befuddling. I, I, I just don't get it at all. I don't dislike it as much as you do in in this game. Um, I think Sword and Shield did it better, where it was more immediately obvious if you were fighting a Pokemon that was too high level for you, or if you were in a 
in an area like that. And it was, I think, a bit more condensed of a open world area in those games but yeah it's just it's it's disappointing because yeah breath of the wild you can go into an area you're way underprepared for and you can like maybe sneak around with the right kind of movement and like using the glider maybe you can like sneak out of there with a weapon that's really good yeah but here like you know what i did i went was so when i was in that like area like i caught i caught a dreadnought because he's the best but it's just it's, it's so overleveled. I don't have the gym badges for it, so I haven't like left this region with any tangible like skill or like tangible like oh I came out of here with like this awesome yeah. thing that I get to use right now. And it also just kind of ruins that balance curve for the rest of the Pokemon because it's an RPG and it's balanced by just numbers getting bigger. Yep, yep. And it's not even like um, you could stumble into one of those areas and find like a TM that's going to be like really helpful for you or something like that because it's that's not how items work in this game. You know, like items mm-hmm. are just kind of strewn about the world. Um, so it, yeah, it's just there's so many befuddling things about this game, but like I do really like a lot of it. I cannot wait for their next attempt at this. I think their next attempt, if they really listen to feedback and they give themselves a little bit more time and they really try to like nail this concept, it could be one of the best Pokemon games. I truly feel that way. I also feel like if they would just limit their Pokedex in the next one and say, hey, we're only doing like 250. We're only doing 150. But we're focusing on the map and like DLC islands to come later that add more Pokemon. You like if they make a more focused experience, I feel like it could be so much better. But mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. Who knows what happens next? I will also say though, uh, after I played Sword and Shield, which you know we both admittedly liked that game quite a bit. Um, I, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't love it, but I thought it was a pretty good Pokemon game. I was like, hey, I like that game for sure. I did not have any interest in any of the DLC for Sword and Shield. Just didn't have Agreed. it. Was not yep. interested in it. I'm 100% I'm 100% down for DLC in this game. I really like Really. Exploring the world itself was very fun for me. So if the next DLC is we've got another island for you. Sign me the fuck up. I'm in. I'm in it. And like like I said, I thought the story was actually like good in this game like one of the best they've ever done and it's like yeah, oh if one we of the can... least objectionable pokemon stories that has some fucking twists and turns uh spoilers 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 for folks that have not <laughs> finished pokemon scarlet violet spoilers 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 uh hit like two minutes ahead um if you are sensitive to spoilers dude the way that game ends the way that dude your your parent is dead and there's a robot in replace of them Mm-hmm. the fuck like it it has like it took some turns it took some dark turns in the game that i did not think they would go for i'm like hell yeah i am down for what they want to do next if they want to do something like this again you know like I, i'm i'm down for it i'm down for it um, yeah it's a little bit it's got a little bit more meat on the bones other than like ah uh, friendship is the best right and like with this whole idea of like there's like a time machine here there's some like yeah timey-wimey stuff that's possible like that's that is a corner they could pull at that could be some cool dlc you know like what if they use this time machine to go back to like another ancient place like they did in arceus you know like stuff like that could be fun 
I, I could have a lot mm-hmm. of fun with the DLC for that. It just, I didn't get that same vibe from Sword and Shield. But yeah, um, if I had to give a rating to Pokemon Scarlet, though, oh, it's really hard. It's just like the most middle of the road. Yeah. Our scale doesn't work for that. I think I ultimately I would give it a, hey, I like that game, ultimately. But I feel I want to caveat that hugely with survivor bias. I got through the game. Talking to a lot of my uh, co-workers and other like Pokemon fans that feel similarly uh, about the game that I do, they just stopped. You know, they stopped playing. They just didn't finish it. So I feel like my positive rating comes from the fact that I did finish it and there was some cool things in there. But like if I wasn't as an uh, obsessive Pokemon fan as I tend to be, um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have pushed through. Um, I would not have beat this game. I would have ended at the last Titan battle had you not told me to finish it for the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, that, that just, that's everything you need to know right there. Um, yeah, I, I was intrigued by Legends Arceus. Um, I thought that game was also bad, but I was intrigued with what I was doing and how they were going to implement it and kind of hone it in Scarlet Violet. And they honed it by making it worse, um, where it was already bad. So, uh, I didn't play the Gen 4 remakes because it didn't seem like they were adding anything to the anything to those games in the same way that the other remakes did that made those worth buying. Um, so I didn't buy that. I'm glad I didn't because I heard those were pretty underwhelming. Um, Legends Arceus was... I had low expectations for it, so I don't want to say underwhelming, but was bad. Uh, Scarlet Violet was exceptionally underwhelming and very bad. And Pokemon's on my wait and see buy list now like i'm not gonna buy another pokemon game anywhere near launch yeah i i pre-ordered this one and i i did regret it um after yep, the t- same technical performance stuff so like i won't be pre-ordering uh, in the future either like i i'm still a massive pokemon fan i but oh yeah same. the last several generations have definitely shown me and it sounds like it's shown you as well that these are games that um deserve a little bit um more critique and a little bit more um, closer in, uh, inspection um, mm-hmm. before yep. just making yep. a purchase, which sucks. That sucks. It, it sucks. And I, I get, I, I'm just going to be like my own worldview sneaking in a little bit, but like these don't have to be charity. Like Game Freak does not have to be like a charity with their games, but they are worth more than most countries in the world on themselves. And for this game to be this bad is it's truly embarrassing like you were saying Tony. It's... bad like bad in terms of like technical performance that's what you mean not bad like i think bad in terms of technical performance and in mechanics implemented i think the open world design is some of the worst open world i've ever had to struggle through not because of like it's difficult but like it's just physically difficult for me to like get through how shit this game is to navigate how unfun it becomes to catch pokemon after a while like i don't know i just i thought this was a bad game i think this is a bad game i think it's embarrassing i'm just, i don't know i think the more i'm talking about it the more impeded i'm getting about it so if you yeah. ask me tomorrow i probably won't think it's as bad as i do think it is now I, but, yeah um, i know yeah, I, I think it's th- i think it's a bad game th- this is this is a game that you asked me what my rating uh hey i like that game would be every day i may give you a different answer depending on where yes, I'm at. Like, yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm like dead nuts in the middle on it. And um, 
depending on what we're talking about at any given moment will push me. I, I will say, like, I'm leaning towards a, hey, I like that game, like I said, but I, I'm really thinking it's j- only because I survived and made it through the whole thing. Um, it's the only reason I if would I have say a, that. If I have a picture of Way Coco in front of me, hey, I like that game. <laughs> if I don't, hey, I don't like that game. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, all right. That was oh, a man. long uh That was a long intro. one, but... Tony, I'm really, really glad you talked about time machines a little bit in that game because I actually need to get into one to talk about uh, one of my games right now. So I'm just going to hop in this time machine. Um, I'm going to see you in the past in a little bit. So let me just... Oh, man, it's a Terminator time machine. I'm naked. Tony, (laughs) it's March 28th, 2020. Don't you dare publish that episode of Hey, I Like That Game for Morrowind just yet. I have an addendum to make. Oh, shit. So, um, in the future, uh, my computer broke, so I needed something I could play on my laptop, so I downloaded Morrowind um, and played through it a bunch and have some new thoughts on it. Um, I enjoyed it a lot more this time. I think approaching it purely for fun as opposed to for the podcast I kind of let myself I lowered my expectations for my my own playthrough so I chose to do a like strictly warrior build as opposed to like trying to fill in magic like I normally like to do for Elder Scrolls games um I looked up a lot more like guides and like builds and like where to get cool equipment like powerful equipment and such and then most importantly since I was on playing on PC I cheated a little bit I increased my speed stat i think i just like doubled it and all that does is increase your walking speed and that was nice it's good to be able to walk so much faster in this game um and you know the combination of all those things together just being a bit more prepared trying to improvise less and kind of stick to not like the rule book necessarily but like it's an old kind of janky game and the people who love it have figured out how to optimize it and just taking a little bit from that just so I felt more empowered in my playthrough to do more uh was neat so I I I didn't I didn't beat it I played a good amount though because I was, was in the mood for a big RPG and I upon thinking about it more I'm pretty sure Oblivion's just not a good game that I have a lot of affection for because of when I played it. Skyrim I still still like, but I didn't want that kind of gameplay that you were talking about. I think it's serendipitous. Uh, oh, sorry, you're. Uh, this is giving away things in the future, but you talked about Morrowind and Skyrim a little bit in the episode that we're recording when I came back at <laughs> the time. How are you doing, by the way? Oh, yeah, like we're like just at the start of COVID. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. So Morrowind. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit more... It is more you get to like craft your own experience. You have to follow directions to get to locations to do the quests and there's a lot more active thought into it as opposed to just checking off things like you do in Skyrim. There are aspects almost like modern day conveniences I wish were in there like map map marking and I don't know sometimes I wish I could just fast travel somewhere. Uh, you kind of have to like get teleporting and like make your own fast travel in Morrowind which is compelling to an extent, but at some point you kind of get late enough where it's like, I just want to be able to fucking fast travel to a place. But the walking around is still very engaging in that game, just being in the overworld. So, you know, um, 
I don't remember what I gave Morrowind on this episode, but just to confirm or to contradict, it is a hey, I like that game. So if you could put this information into uh, maybe the end of this episode and just cut out any like potential future knowledge stuff just so we don't make any paradoxes, I'd really appreciate that. Yeah, sure. No problem. Cool, cool. How's it, how, yeah, how's it going? Uh, I kind of forget where we were in life at this, at this time. So, uh, God, the anyway. world is a <laughs> uh, Make sure to get vaccinated. Bye. <laughs> Oh, Jake, you're back. Oh, yeah. How's it going? Hey. Uh, anyway, do you remember the world me talking is different to you about now. We don't even oh, have, no. We don't even have COVID anymore. We have Flovid. <laughs> Everyone's turning into fluoride. Oh, no. <laughs> you ch- did you step on a, uh, 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 a butterfly when you were back in time? You ruined uh, No, the- but I did, I did appear in front of you naked for a second, so that might have changed the things. No! Okay, I'm done. Uh, yeah, Morrowind. Morrowind is a pretty good game, pretty fun nice. game. I it was a very nice game to have while I uh, was and am waiting for my actual desktop to uh, be put back together again. But I feel that like it happened soon. I feel like you gave it a hey, I like that game back in the day too. But maybe I'm wrong. I hope I did. I really hope I did. I'm pretty sure. But you did. Uh, if I didn't, then I do now. Um, but yeah, since it has been a while, I have played more games. Um, however, I'm saving those for our next episode, which will be our end of the year wrap up. Yes, yeah. So speaking of wrapping up, let's wrap up this top part of the section here, or top part of the episode here, uh, yeah. and we'll come back after a quick break uh, to talk about your game, Jake, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. That game, uh, this episode, we are talking about Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. Jake, this was your pick. Uh, why did we play this game? Uh, well, so I, this has been on my list, I think, since the beginning of the podcast. Um, and it really got stuck in my brain a lot more after our Metal Gear Solid episode. Um, just, you know, both being stealth games, but of such different mechanics and objectives almost you're like scope um so i played uh growing up i played splinter cells one two three and then the fifth one so splinter cell one splinter cell pandora tomorrow this one chaos theory and then i skipped double agent played conviction and then didn't play the last one um so you know when these games came out i was absolutely sold on them from the design of, of Sam Fisher, the the protagonist, you know those those the night vision goggles with like the three green lights, um, was just like such a cool piece of costume design for me. That I'm just like, yep, that's my that's my game, love it. Uh, stealth action was something I think I like aspired 
to like more because stealth just feels so badass to me um that like i i really like those games or like not really liked really wanted to play those games but i also remember not really enjoying the first two but loving this one so i wanted to wanted to, to visit it again see see if this one like holds up or i don't know just compare it to other stealth games but um yeah this one came out 2005 so those first three games came out a healthy clip splinter cell one was 02 two uh, splinter cell two was 04 and then this one came out 05 so within three yeah. years three splinter cell games came out and then yeah and the, double and agent was the they, next year too and i think these all came out of the same studio right it was all ubisoft montreal and mm-hmm. ubisoft milan i want to say yeah um that worked on these ones um but yeah split or ubisoft montreal like this was like one of their um you know hallmark series uh for that studio the splinter cell games um this one also came out across like a shit ton of platforms. There's Xbox, PlayStation 2, GameCube, came to PC. It also had a DS version, a mobile version, and an N-Gage version. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this uh, this very cross-platform game here. Yeah, very like back when games used to get like mo- or, uh, handheld releases and had to like be all different and like it was like a whole different game and like experience and mechanics and what it was on the main on the main consoles Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. i mean this this game was just like so these games were just like so i don't know like impactful to me growing up just like i I remember there was like a making of video that i watched uh i think it was on like g4 before this one came out and there was like talking like oh yeah we would have sam like make sure like look over corners with his back to the wall instead of his front to the wall, like you normally see in movies, because like that's actually like the most efficient way to like reveal the least amount of your body while peeking around a corner, like mm-hmm. tiny things like that. There's I think a good amount of attention to detail as is needed in a stealth game for it to be robustly put together. Um, and yeah, I, I I haven't played the first two in so long, so I couldn't tell you why I think this one nails it in the way I didn't think those two did. Um, but I mean, I think it still nails it. I, I still enjoy this experience. I think it's a very robust stealth experience that gives you a lot of different options to approach things, both with the tools and the gadgets you have, and also with the level design. Uh, so each mission is its own self-contained level box, kind of like, uh, the Hitman games. Yep. And yeah, it's just like going through, uh, there's always like a side objective of like, scan x number of y um just to kind of inspire you to explore more of the mission but i don't know i never really maxed around with those too much because there was no mechanical incentive to actually do it other than completionism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like the like you said the game's like set up in a way of like there's very discrete levels that you're working through that have like here's your main objective you have some side objectives go to it you know uh, and you're kind of just dropped into it. The The game does these like cut scenes and briefing screens to try to set up the conflict that you're in, the stakes and all that stuff. I, I don't think any of that is done um, exceedingly well or anything like that. Like the opening cutscene is pretty dope, um, <laughs> but only because, but only because of like how ridiculous it is and that it's like way longer than I was expecting it to be. But like graphical fidelity, not great. It's kind of just 
talking yeah. at you a lot, but it's it's all right. It's it's not. Yeah, the cutscenes yeah. don't look great. <laughs> cutscenes don't look great. The briefing screen does not look good at all. Like, you know, you brought up Metal Gear Solid here, and like I I had a hard time not just comparing everything in this game to Metal Gear Solid. Uh, so like. Just like a point of context for me, this mm-hmm. is my first Splinter Cell game I've ever played. I've never been really into the realistic style stealth games. I have watched a I watched a little bit of one of these games being played back in high school because uh, I had a friend Garrett who was kind of into it, so I would like watch him play uh, every once in a while. But like, just doesn't really do it for me um, in general. So then, like, you know. Gameplay wise, not my favorite. So I turned to the story. Like, okay, maybe I can get engaged here. Not great. Not, <laughs> like, not great and doesn't like show well either. Like the briefing screens compared to the codex in Metal Gear Solid, it's like not even a comparison. Yes. Like the codex are like so much, so much better, so much more like uh, emotionally impactful. Um, and there's like, it's really funny how much we talked about this in the Metal Gear Solid episode, but like how much life they were able to give these characters through the codex through like minimal animations. We don't get any of that in this game. It's just still image with text and then voiceover. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's all we get for like mission setups and things like that outside of the very decidedly early, uh, aughts, uh, 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 cg scenes you know yeah yeah i i agree with you to an extent on that i think the codec is obviously more memorable and more emotive but what you're saying about this being like a realistic stealth simulator stealth game you know realism is uh a fun term that can be bandied about in much different ways but this one attempts for some facsimile of realism and I think part yeah. of that is also just, yeah, everybody's more understated. These are adult professionals trying to do their job as efficiently and professionally as possible. And it's it's more, I don't know, it's just, it's more, it feels more mature than yes. the codec does. It's less, uh, that's, th- don't take that as like a dig against the codec. I want to like put this at the upfront. I think this and Metal Gear Solid are not in the same genre they are not both stealth games metal gear solid is a whole different thing i would say it's more of a tactics game it's i wouldn't go so far to say they're not in the same genre but the genre is stealth action game right Mm -hmm. these two games put emphasis on different parts of that equation yes this game puts the emphasis on stealth whereas metal gear puts the emphasis on action it's there, but they're very, they're very different in their approaches to the genre. But I wouldn't say they're they're not even in the same. It's it's like the difference between Tiger Woods golf and Mario golf. <laughs> you know, like t- Tiger Woods is trying to be real in some ways, but it's still a fucking golf game. You know. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's probably the most apt comparison. But uh, yeah, I don't want to like any of these comparisons to feel like I am on Metal Gear Solid or the franchise itself. I don't have a lot of experience with the franchise and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. MGS was, hey, I liked that game. I know just barely for me because I think some of the oddities of that time period of gaming were tough. Anyway, this isn't about Metal Gear Solid. This is about goddamn Splinter Cell. Um, Mm -hmm. But that, anyway, so that was one of the things I just, the dialogue about in this game is honestly one of my favorite parts about it because I think maybe it's like, 
a response to the marvelfication of like action movies where everything's nothing's like i don't know as as serious or like everything feels like it needs to be like undercut often and that you know works in a lot of different movies i think that works in, for marvel movies I, I like the marvel movies i've seen pretty much every single marvel movie i think they're rad i'm wearing on them i think they're wearing on me i think as they are with a lot of people but like yeah like those movies but that sort of approach the dialogue wouldn't have worked in this and it's just really fucking refreshing to play a game where yeah these people are like talking about their mission any banter that's there is like minimal and like almost like professional within the bounds of like this relationship that all these people have with each other where yeah they're like ribbing on each other a little bit but it's not like over the top um and yeah i think it's i think it's kind of funny a lot of like the overhearing the guards and like when you interrogate the guards some of that stuff is kind of funny too and i can't remember the last time a video game was funny to me yeah i mean like i i agree some of the guard banter's hilarious like i, I sent you a clip and we'll, we'll mm-hmm. get it out oh, there yeah. for we'll folks but like there. there's there's some hilarious um uh what is it called uh, interrogation mm-hmm. scenes when you grab certain guards um really funny stuff there but i mean the game isn't all business like you were like saying like i think it's like the start of the penthouse level some of the banter back and forth between agents is like very unprofessional and kind of uh you know trying to make make light of the situation so like i i the game definitely does have a more serious tone than a metal gear or something like that but but like to your point about like how like the gameplay evolves from it it's like it, the game feels more like a sandboxy type environment mm-hmm. than it is in, you know, the other closest comparison in Metal Gear, where it's like the Metal Gear wants you to do a very specific thing to move from point A to point B. Whereas it feels like this game, you are given a ton of gadgets and you are given things that you should be doing, but you can kind of approach problems a lot of different ways. Um, which is commendable. Like I liked it as a design choice, but like as a player, I was enjoying spots like, um, like in Metal Gear where you have to like, uh, navigate the Nikita missile down the hallway and through all that stuff to hit a thing to like, let you into the next area. Like that, that's like a fun gameplay chance. Like, ah, here's a novel mechanic. And like, I clearly know what to do in this situation. Use the spy tool or like war tool to, uh, to do the thing that I need. Mm-hmm. Whereas in like this game, you are given here are a bunch of, you know, stealth tools that you can like use in whatever way you want. Have at it, Hoss, you know? Um, and like, it's just, it's just different, you know, it's just a different way of like handling um, the mechanics of, of, of the game. Mm-hmm. I will say that like, I appreciate it as a design choice, but if you're going to do something that way, I feel like the tutorialization needs to be better. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the game has a lot of tutorials that are actually like pretty good in the home menu. So like they have video games showcasing like a good uses of the different systems and tools that you have uh, at your um, disposal, along with like a keyboard overlay, like showing you like, here's how to do it. Here are the buttons you need to press with a video that shows you here's what happens. Here's why you may want to grab onto a pipe and hang above a guard. 
you know, like something like that. Love that they that that's there for players. I just wish it wasn't sequestered to this one little thing in the open in the main menu. I wish I was integrated into play yes. somehow. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like I could play the game and all right, you introduced to me like the use of this gear very early on in the level. Now I have that information and maybe two, three levels down the line, I can choose to use that information again or not. You know, it, the learning is on me as a player, um, which, you know, it, it, part of this is like the, the, the time that this game was designed into, I, I got to imagine. Yes, but I agree. it, I think this is more indicative of a problem. I have with the game all up in that things feel sequestered things feel compartmentalized instead of like one living thing that you're in like we were saying before these are each individual discrete levels Mm -hmm. you are dropped into this level and literally at the start of many levels there will be guards directly in front of you and like that takes me out of the you know immersion or like (laughs) whatever you want to say but it's like Yo, how the fuck did Sam Fisher get dropped in this point where he's in front of two guards? You know, like you don't get into that situation with Metagear because mm-hmm. it's like you get to the island and then you're on one big level the entire time, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like you you understand the the moving from point A to point B on this big mission. Whereas in Splinter Cell, it's like, here's your mission, it's a combat puzzle. Move from this one to the next one to the next one. And then you're done. Whereas like Metal Gear felt like a more cohesive idea altogether because it took place in one spot all the right, time. And I was always in control. Yeah. And that like made me feel more like spy secret agent stealth, you know, as opposed to this one where it's like they don't show you getting dropped into the locale. They don't really show you extracting out. It's just the stealth gameplay, mm-hmm. you know, which like. For people that are really engaged by that gameplay, I bet that's fantastic for them. But for somebody like me who, like, wants more of the narrative, wants more, like, cohesion between story, gameplay, and all these other things, like, more cohesive product, like, it, that's not what this is. You know? It's not what this is. Yeah. This At is, least from my perspective. Yeah, this is, like, a, it's a political thriller of a story. Um, yeah. You know, Tom Clancy stories, you know, you, you read watched one you've read watched them all pretty much it's uh military people got to respond to something uh the cause of it's actually a little more, more complicated than we initially thought uh some morals get questioned along the way uh some white guy does his job very well and saves the world like that's sort of what tom clancy stories are and um i mean i, I think i throw in that white thing because uh so tony not sure if you look this up um, or notice this much. Uh, but a lot of this game takes place in um, Korea and Japan. Those are sort of the areas where uh, yeah. the plot's happening. And uh, looking through the voice cast, not seeing a lot of Korean or Japanese names, especially for one prominent <laughs> character, uh, Admiral Otomo, who um, has a very prominent Japanese accent uh, voiced by a very canadian man and uh yeah there's a lot of big yikes from that and i think it's kind of why i was top of mind um and yeah that's not that's not fun and that kind of like almost sours it especially when you're like 
that kind of banter that you like a bit more at the beginning of it sort of becomes uh, like a bad Krusty the Clown bit. <laughs> um, but it's, it's to to your point though about just getting dropped in in this like own own little sandbox world instead of having that like interconnected level. I think this game has its own themes but they're more lightly engaged with than metal gear has um there are a few moments like contextual prompts within the game where sam will do something so for example in the first level um you come across somebody who got was tortured to death and once the room is cleared you can there's like a prompt that you can cut them down um and i I saw that prompt i went with it like i wonder what that's for so that happens, and then your boss comes in and, like, chides you. Like, what are you wasting time for? And then Sam, who's his own character instead of a player avatar, just says, this man deserves respect even in death. And there are a lot of moments like that, like optional moments, um, where you can kind of find out who Sam Fisher is and what's important to him in what he's willing to prioritize uh, yep. in a mission. And I, I like that. It's, 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 it's a trope. Like, you know, the spy slash soldier with a conscience is is a trope as old as time but it's it's just, i don't know i i like having that bit of variety that characterization to sam i think he's i think he's a good character i think he's voiced super well by uh yep. michael ironside giving a very understated performance for what michael ironside normally does which is ham it up um right and yeah it's great I, he has I, great banter I, I definitely agree there where like this, the way that Sam Fisher as a character is treated is such a, so much more adult in like mature yes. way of doing it. And I, I agree to that. Like uh, I think Sam Fisher, like, so prior to this game, <laughs> so I wrote down this note, this, this would be pretty <laughs> funny. I know so little about this series. I thought Sam Fisher only wore the suit all the time. <laughs> I had no, I had no idea who, like, there was, like, several scenes where there's just this, like, generic-looking white guy with a strong chin yep. walking around and talking. Like, who the fuck is, I don't even know, I don't know who this guy is. And, like, then, like, off, like, an off comment said Sam. was like, oh, that's Sam Fisher. Like, I had no fucking idea. You thought he was, like, the but, Mandalorian, like, like, would never take his goggles off. Yeah! Yeah! Um, but, um, yeah, I, I do think they characterize Sam in an appropriate way that makes him um, likable and like feeling like there's a dynamis, the uh, uh, um, dynamicism. Is that the right word? I think that's right. Um, yeah. We'll roll with it. Like <laughs> he, he is more dynamic than a, uh, maybe a solid snake or most other generic, you know, spy stealth guys, you know, mm-hmm. like, he, like I can see after playing this game, why, he got so many games and why some of the um, latter Splinter Cell games where he's like on the run. Right. And he, um, you know, is is doing his own thing. Why those could be compelling be- because of the character that they made Sam Fisher into. Like, mm-hmm. I, I will I will say like that definitely a positive from this game is like Sam Fisher. I now understand Sam Fisher a little bit better and kind of get the thing with him, you know. Yeah. Why why people are fascinated with him as a character. I, I kind of get it a little bit more now, for sure. And I think, yeah, this this game sets up that mm-hmm. conflict pretty well. I mean, he's, like, squarely in the government working for the CIA or whatever fake CIA is in this game. Um, but that 
kind of comes up as a theme and then you know you have your confrontation with one of the big guy, bad guys and you have your philosophical discussion about it do you think love can bloom on a battlefield stuff like that but <laughs> yeah. it's yeah it sets up that like sam his morals and ideals are often conflicting with his work and so far he's been able to like mesh that um but like you know it isn't always going to be like that and he isn't just going to like go rogue and be a bad guy because that would still like violate those same morals he has so it does make him like his own person that has to deal with these yeah it has to deal with these these moral complexities and i think those are addressed maybe a little ham-fistedly uh, going forward. Again, I don't remember like specifics about all the details of all the other games, but I remember in Splinter Cell um, Conviction, you like stab somebody with a American flag at one point. So I'm sure it gets a little less uh, understated and more yeah. overstated going forward. But I don't know. I, I like it. This is a game that's rated M for mature, and it feels mature instead of just gory. Def- yes. Agreed. Agreed. Um, um, we don't have too much time, dear viewer. We're trying to do a back-to-back episode right now, and we don't want to like give a ton of time. But like, we haven't talked about gameplay too much, or even like aesthetic. Yeah. Um, I think there's like some of the character models don't look great when you grab people to interrogate them. Like the eyes usually do like a weird polygon thing, and like when you really like scrutinize yeah. the graphics, it's not great. But like, you usually have a filter on. You're normally looking through your night vision goggles or something, which sort of distorts the the view a little bit and also the lighting of this game is so important and dynamic and so much the yep. focus of it all because you know you got to be in the dark you're stealthy that the, ga- the game hinges good. on its shadows yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's so I, th- I think it looks good i think the music is is it's interesting and it's a very like almost like frantic i don't know like techno jazz sort of feel to it like a lot of drums a lot of like very like yeah, like frantic drums that like will escalate and um, change the if music, you discover. The mu- yeah, the music in this game is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Way better than I was expecting. I, I do, I do want to um, take a step back to graphics real quick. Mm-hmm. So you were saying how you you like the use of shadow and lighting in this game, and I think sometimes it works well. But I think I, I don't think it looks good. The majority of the time, I think mm-hmm. it looks very dated. Uh, like I'm willing to um, to look past some of the stuff with like you had mentioned, like things with the negotiation when you grab people and you like close up, uh, zoom in on it. Like it, they don't look great, but like I really feel like some of the lighting and shadows are, are not well done in in some areas that are really just d- really discourage me from like wanting to interact with this game on its own terms like using its own systems like here's an, an example. example yeah yeah cargo ship cargo ship mm-hmm. the very very beginning of that um there are several guards on the deck of the ship and you need to kind of move past them and i know the game gives you these like meters that you're supposed to look at when it comes to um sound yeah, and light exposure yep. and all that but it just looking at the game, there are times where I feel like I'm cloaked in shadow and I'm not, or times where I think I'm very exposed and I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like the game just wants me to stand in a specific spot, like a little X on the ground. And if I'm on that X, these people will not see me, even though they're standing right next to me. Mm-hmm. And that feels bad. And it feels strange to me. Like shadows hide you 
so much in some areas and then it doesn't hide you at all in others. Um, if you're not, if you just stare at those gauges and let that kind of guide where you move, then like, I guess there's no problems with that. But like, just like looking at the visuals in front of me, I felt like I got confused more times than not. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came to like staying hidden versus not. Yeah. Cause there, there were, there were certain times where it's like, there's a light in this hallway and I'm standing in a part that looks like it's, you know, encased in shadow, but there is light in this room and this guard is getting very close to me and they should be able to see me. Right. The way that light physics work, this person should see me, but they don't. And it's like, I was really yearning for vision cones or something like that, that I've seen in other stealth games where it gives me a little bit more to work with. Um, but Again, understand that this game's going for a different type of stealth, a little bit more quote unquote realism, so you're not going to get that kind of stuff. It just that was something that wasn't jiving with me um, the whole time that I that that I was struggling with. Yeah, I, I I agree with you to an extent. I think I I've also been doing air quotes every time I say realistic with this game because when you're not looking at those gauges and just kind of like looking at the world or looking at the 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 gameplay of it all, it's just like any any human being would he be able to see Sam Fisher standing there right now? So it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of, it's a bit immersion breaking, like you're saying, um, especially when it's trying to be treated as a as a realistic game. But I understand there have to be some allowances afforded for stealth video games. People can't exactly sure. act exactly like people because yeah, stealth's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, a lot yeah. harder in real life. <laughs> um, and it, it's a video game, right? Yeah. Like th- these are things that we need to. Um, you know, relax our uh, our thoughts on. Yeah. But just my eyes were more on those gauges, like you were saying. But I I totally agree that sometimes clashes with what you're seeing with uh, the the graphics of it all. Absolutely. Mm. I I will also say that like again, probably a personal problem, but I had trouble just controlling this game in general. I tried it with a controller. Yep. Had a lot of absolute issues. absolute garbage on the controller, the PC port of this game. <laughs> Really, really bad. Yeah, I thought it'd be a lot better, but it was really bad. So I switched back to using uh, mouse and keyboard, and that was better. But man, it really, really threw me for a loop that the mouse wheel was controlling my speed. Like, it took me way longer than um, it should to figure that out because I was just, like, crawling through the initial level. And I was like, this can't be right. This can't be right. So I had to, like, really experiment with longer than i should have to try to figure that out so that was just really really strange yeah um, you do sort of i thought it'd be like a zoom in zoom out yeah yes there are quirks that you need to figure out and like you know the lock picking mini game is like not great there's no real intro there's no story there's no on-screen prompts mm-hmm. it's really it feels like you're just hitting buttons you're just hitting buttons and seeing what happens i think it, it, <laughs> you know I think for me, it was just like you did different WASD keys. Like you just like tap one yeah. and then the next page jig- you tap a different one. You're just like jiggling keys. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's not great. I do like that. It gives you the option to just break the lock. Like you just take your knife out. Yes. It's loud and guards will see it and be like, Oh shit, this door's broken. Um, but it gives you that option for it. Yeah. Like the, the, that's the compelling stuff in the gameplay is that like, 
the amount of choice that you get, it's the sandbox, yes. you know, like yeah. you, you make all of these choices and you deal with them. And it's like, um, I, I want to critique this game, uh, on it's like shooting mechanics. Cause I feel like the shooting in this game is like pretty dog shit, but mm-hmm. that's for Purposely a reason. So yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not supposed to shoot and kill everybody. You're supposed to move through stealthily. Um, so, you know, that, that makes sense for that to be bad. It's just like, um, I fully understand that this type of game fights against with how I like to play video games a lot. So like when I try to murder all of the guards, instead (laughs) of definitely take them out. The game should fight against me when I try to do that. So like, I, I can't, um, I can't knock it for that, but it's just something that, um, I, I struggled with and Mm -hmm. like, and actually one other thing that's similar to what we talked about with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet was that, I feel like the labeling on individual like MVPs or like objectives could be better because mm-hmm. there's like I, I can't remember which mission it is. Is it is it the bank mission? I don't remember. But you basically have to like grab a guard and like put its head through one of those like retinal scanners or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like it didn't feel to me immediately obvious who that guard was, like who I should be doing that to. Um if there was only one guard that it works for, you know, like the little stuff like that, that's just like, maybe that's me not paying enough attention. Maybe that's the problem, or maybe there isn't enough guidance there. And it's just something you got to figure out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't advertise those, those VIPs and it, yeah, it has like weird gameplay quirks, things I don't like. Like if you get too close to a guard when you're trying to hit them, and you don't press that prompt in time then they see you, and even if you, like, knock them out before they vocalize anything or make a shot, like, everybody in the room is still notified to where you are immediately. Yep. And, like, yeah, there are, like, annoyances to that. Some of those alternate paths that are offered in the game aren't as well-developed or signposted. Like that, like that retinal scan thing. I just hacked the retina scanner, so I didn't have to do that that part of it. But, like, yeah, that's... I don't know, not like a as fleshed out path that you could take within that sandbox. So I yep. I think where this game falls the most flat is um casting white people as Asian people. One. Two is just some <laughs> of the quirks or shortcomings of how the stealth or like discovery mechanics are implemented in this game. And yeah, it's just like it's a bit older, so a lot of the graphics have have haven't aged super great. I think that's like I think this game's almost too dark. Like if you're in a room with a light, yeah. like only like thirty percent of the room is illuminated, and there's sort of like a part of your brain that's like that's not how light works. Um, but you know, it's a game, so yeah, it's. I think there are definitely shortcomings to it, but man, this game comes together into one package that I really liked. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I can see I can see why people like this game. I, I'm I'm glad we played it. I'm glad we <laughs> played it because um, I I can see more of the stuff now. But this, it's just it's like when we played uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon. It's like mm, I yeah. see it. I get it. Not for me. This is not a game for me. But like I see it. I I, I, I can. I, this isn't like. Um, other games that we've played where I'm like, I don't get why people find this fun. Like I get it. I like, I I'm, I'm starting to see it. It's just, um, yeah, it's not for me. I will also say, I will also say that I feel like a lot of what we've talked about here has been colored by like problems that I had while playing the game. Mm-hmm. Like we already talked about the, the controller issue, uh, mouse and keyboard 
doesn't work great either, like control issues. But I was also running into a specific bug um, that is like a known thing. It's a resolution bug and it breaks a lot of your different types of visors. Oh, no. So like I would put down like um, the like uh, night vision goggle and it would just be all white or all black. Ooh. I'd put down like the thermal and it's all black. And like I found I, I found like uh, that like changing your resolution and maybe restarting the game a lot of times fixes that problem. But it would, I would run into that problem a lot. Um, the game also doesn't really doesn't really like alt tabbing at all, um, which can cause other issues, which like, again, these are me problems, right? These are me problems and not the game per se. It's like maybe like the porting of the game mm-hmm. or the fact that, you know, this is a much, much older game running on a modern system. Yeah. There are going to be little quirks about it. But I kept running into these like these issues that are like outside of like what we should be like critiquing about the game. They got really, really uh, in my way yeah. to enjoying it, which which is which sucks. Right. Like I I, I would hate for that to color my impression of the game, but it's like, it's more like, oh, this is just like adding fuel to the fire of like something that like I was already predisposed to not like. And then on top of that, there's this stuff that's like, that's making me really hard, really hard to look past some of this other stuff now, you know? Yeah. It sounds like to you, Um, it's just making a a bad time worse. Yeah. 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 Well, for sure. I was holding out hope until about, two minutes ago where I now think I know you're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and like, and like the map's not great, you know, like that 3d visualization of the map isn't great. Map and it... visualization, man, come on. Sh- okay. Well, you want a mini map, Sh- dude, go play. Okay. Fucking metal gear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but, like, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like I, there were times where like I was fighting against the map. It, like I felt like I was fighting against more systems than than uh, than working in concert with them, you know. But like I'll mm-hmm. say, I'll say it again and again. I feel like that's more of a me problem than anything else. Where I tend to fight against systems like this when I'm playing in games, as opposed to conform against them, and then it makes it a worse time for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'll also say the hacking mini game. I don't think was very fun. Nope. Hacking and uh, lockpicking are done better in almost any other type of game. I don't like most Bethesda games, but their hacking that they have done and their lockpicking is, like, way better than these. Way better. Way more enjoyable. I think. Uh, so I watched uh, H. Bromer Guy's review of Deus Ex Human or Mankind Divided, um, and his one of his takes on hacking minigames was the original Deus Ex did it best, where it's not a minigame, it's just you have to you have to wait you have to like be in the in the world and like hope that you're not going to get discovered or like prepare for you not to get discovered and yep. i i now think that's like a that might be like the one of the better approaches for stuff like that because yeah the lock picking and the hacking in this game they're the mini games suck they're not engaging it's just busy work that's very difficult to fail and it would be i think more frightening if you just like sam was locked in this animation for 5 seconds and yeah. you looked around you. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you on those mini games. Um, not not fun. Yep. yep. But you um, know what is fun, sure. Tony? Splinter Cell Sorry. Chaos Theory. Hey, I like that game. <laughs> 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 uh, 
you know, like, Jake, I also I wanted to like this game coming into it. And it's unfortunate for me that's a hey, I don't like that game. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like I said, I think a lot of that is I'm predisposed to not like these type of games, just like you with fighting games. You know, it's not in your traditional wheelhouse. And then I, I ran into a lot of unfortunate issues, control, bugs, things like that. That just made it a, a harder thing for me. But like mm-hmm. I said, I I get it. And like. Just like our our, our uh, episode on Metro, this game showed me that this is a franchise that I probably should pay attention to. So whenever that next Splinter Cell comes out, that's been you know talked about forever, mm-hmm. um, maybe I'll give it a look, you know, or maybe I'll give some of those later uh, Splinter Cell games a look when they did start to go a little bit more actiony um, as opposed to like more stealthy. Um, and maybe those will be for me. I don't know, but. Um, but ultimately, this game's a hey, I don't like that game. Yeah, but yeah. The, f- the future is bright for Sam Fisher in my world. If you want to play one of the newer ones, I would I would say Conviction. I think that one did it mm. did it pretty well, and they had more time to in the oven. There was four time four years between the releases for that one, so I remember that one being being all right and like definitely more more actiony, but it still respects the stealth elements of the game. Nice, yeah. but yeah, nice, other than that, nice. I think I think the Splinter Cell. <laughs> series peaked in 2005 with chaos theory uh this game <laughs> slaps my whole bod <laughs> this is definitely a jake game yeah. if you can if you can find um, me <laughs> jesus <laughs> uh uh jake do you want to hear what we're gonna play next i would love to hear podcast. what we're gonna play next tony Okay, so for this next episode of Hey, I Like That Game, we're actually sticking with Ubisoft Montreal. Same studio, uh, just several years, if not more than a decade after it. Um, For our next episode of Hey, I Like That Game, we are going to be playing Child of Light. Oh, It's a very unexpected unexpected rpg from this same studio uh that's really known for making you know splitter cell assassin's creed watchdogs um this is a very very different game than um what ubisoft montreal is typically known for so i wanted to to highlight something else from this studio um with child of light so next episode of hey i like that game will be child of light fantastic Um, well i guess fantastic i I guess then thank you I guess the the next episode of Hey I Like That Game will be the um, International Hey I Like That Game Awards, mm-hmm. um, but the next regular episode of the podcast will be Child of Light. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll be coming back with another episode here really quick, uh, probably within another like a, a day or two to reward uh, your patience co- over these over these busy months. <laughs> Yes, yes, but uh, we we do have the uh, the international. Hey, I like that game awards coming up next. Jake, I'm super excited. We've got six categories to get into, like we have done the previous years. Should be a ton of fun. Uh, but until then, Jake, where can the folks at home find us on the internet? Yeah, they can find us at Twitter at Like That Game. We're on Facebook at the Hey I Like That Game podcast. You can find our VOD of the 24-hour charity stream and uh, see us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash game. Hell yeah. And uh, heyilikethatgame.com will take you directly to our podcast feed as well. I forgot we well. have that website, too. Thank you for getting the domain, Tony. Heyilikethatgame.com. And heyilikethatgame.rocks. Dot rocks. Uh, heyilikethatgame.rocks yeah. <laughs> is also us. So bookmark internet. that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes um awesome well um 
Jake, another great episode. Uh, and as always, live life passionately. Love each other unconditionally. And play video games. Thanks, everybody. Have a good evening. Talk to you soon. Please give us a rating.